Good morning and welcome. Uh, my name is Mike Tolliver and I'm the lead evangelist at the Mission Point Christian Church in San Antonio, Texas. We're very excited to be worshiping with all of you in New York City this morning. Last week we heard Sam Powell, uh, and we heard it here in San Antonio, preach on being strong in the Lord. And I want to say thank you, Sam, so much for your message. Today I've been asked to speak on the spiritual battle. And I'm going to try to bring up some keys to victory that I hope will help each and every one of us in our walk with Christ. I do want to start off by giving a shout out here to, uh, of course, to Sam and Cynthia, our dear friends for many, many years. We love you. Richard and Sarah, uh, Steve and Lee Kennard, also uh, Daisy, as well as Stephen and Hannah, Kevin Finnerty and Andy, uh, so many, many others. Uh, we are, we just, we love the New York City congregation. Back in 1983, Amber and I uh, were on the original team. We were number 17 and 18 to join the original team for New York City. And we came and helped to plant the church there in 1983. It was a tremendous memory. My brother Roy uh, served as an elder in the New York church. Roy and Bonnie are now here in San Antonio. Uh, New York sent out and Brigitte and I, to plant churches in Africa. And we are thankful to this very day for the support uh, that the New York City Church gave us uh, during the 1980s and 1990s uh, in, in getting uh, our work going in Africa. It is an honor to be with all of you today. And uh, let's dive on in here. This year, we realize that we have a brand new enemy, COVID-19. We can't see it. It spreads quietly and it works gradually. So we had to change our behavior, did we not? And work as a team, as a nation to defeat this enemy. And, and we're still in the middle of this fight. The same situation has been going on since the dawn of creation. Spiritually, we have an enemy. And as disciples, we learn that Satan is real, that he's at work, that we must change our behavior, and we have to work as a team. Reading in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord, and in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand. You know, like it or not, believe it or not, you are in a battle. So it's important for us to be scouting the enemy, knowing his strengths, knowing his weapons, knowing his tactics, and avoiding situations where we can be ambushed. So with 20 minutes, I can't tell you everything, but I can, I believe, get you started on the spiritual battle that all of us face and keys to victory in front of us. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It is a struggle. We do struggle. The word for struggle that's translated struggle in Greek is actually wrestling. We're talking about hand-to-hand -hand combat, uh, ongoing, exhausting wrestling. Um, in ancient Greece, the goal was to, just like it is today, to pin your opponent on his back or to drag him out of bounds, uh, to, to choke him. Uh, wrestling goes back 3,000 years. And as, as it's the same over the last three millennia, Satan is trying to choke the life out of you. That's what he's trying to do. It's a serious battle. He is a roaring lion, verse, uh, 1 Peter 5, verse 8. 
And lions, by the way, they kill their victims by biting them. And, you know, the, usually the gazelle or the, uh, or the antelope is tired because it's been running away from the lion. And so it's panting really hard. And so the lion bites the victim on the throat and shuts the windpipe and chokes them to death. It is death by suffocation when the lion catches you. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood. We're not in combat with people or with one another. That's a different sermon. But we're in, com- in combat with Satan. Now, wrestlers have intimidating names. I mean, I remember back in the day, The Rock and Hulk Hogan. I mean, who would, you wouldn't be very afraid of Joe Hogan, perhaps. But Hulk Hogan sounds intimidating. And these names get our attention. And I think these names in the book of Ephesians here, they should get our attention. Because some of our opponents have some pretty intimidating names. We're, we're battling with the rulers, the arches, the arch enemies, our arch rivals. We're, we're, we're fighting against the powers, the, in Greek, the cosmokratoras, these world-ruling, darkness-ruling, powerful uh, entities, the, pneumati- the, the pneumatica, the, the spiritual forces in this dark world. This is real. This is serious. And Satan wants you to be intimidated. He wants you to give up. If you're facing something like chemical dependency, if it's smoking or alcohol or drugs, he wants you to say, I give up. If there's aspects of your character like anger or pride or lust, he wants you to just throw up your hands and say, I can't change. Whatever your temptation is, he wants you to be humiliated. He wants you to be intimidated. And he wants you to give up and give in and throw in the towel. And we see Jacob wrestling with God in Genesis. And just as God calls us to grow and mature in our perspective and to become transformed, and that's compared to wrestling in this way, in a similar way we wrestle with the forces of evil. We wrestle with temptation, our pride, our anger, our own selfish desires. It is a wrestling match. It's hand-to-hand combat. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes focus and strain. And if that's describing your Christian life right now, that's not unusual. That's, that's the, that we should expect that from time to time. Satan is a roaring lion. And there is nothing I can do against a 400-pound fully grown lion. Nothing. If we were to have a 100-yard dash and, and, we, and the fastest people on earth lined up, the lion would be crossing the finish line and the Olympic gold medalist would still be somewhere back around the 40-yard line. That's how much faster the lion is than the fastest of all humans. The lion sees in the dark, uh, literally in one-eighth of the light that you and I need to see. He's, he can see you. He waits. He stalks. He's, he's, he's imme- immensely powerful. And yet, we can win. Even against the powers, the authorities that come against us, these dark spiritual forces, there are abs- we, we can and will win. And let's talk about some keys to victory in our hand-to-hand struggle with the forces of evil. Let's learn from our handbook, the Word of God. All right. So point number one that I want to say is, in winning this victory... We must be people of the word to win this struggle, to win this wrestling match. Let's be people of the word. Before you begin the fight, Satan, he's already talking. Um, We call it trash talking today. Uh, But Satan loves to trash talk. 
and it can be effective. It can take your mind off your game. Uh, you know, great athletes are often great trash talkers today, and Satan will try to, our, my word for these verses I'm about to talk about is he'll, he'll trash talk everything. Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. Well, actually, that's not true. That's just trash talking. If you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, prove it. He's trying to communicate doubt by using the word if, and why don't you prove it? And he's, he's taunting, just like in Job chapter 2 or in Zechariah chapter 3. Satan is usually accusing, lying, taunting, and tries to get you to doubt. On the basketball court, we call that trash talking. Don't buy in to the trash talk. Instead, listen to the word of God. Remember in Matthew chapter 13, as, as soon as you hear the word, Satan comes and he wants to take away from uh, the word that was sown in, the, in, the, in their heart. When he's talking about the path, he immediately wants to come in and take away the word that was sown in your heart. Satan wants to rip the word out of your heart mind, and soul. And he wants to get you distracted. So we must be people of the word in order to win this fight. Like Jesus in Matthew chapter 4, verse 10, when we face Satan, it's good to say, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Three times Jesus said, for it is written, because it is written. He referred to scripture to defeat Satan. We need to know it and memorize it and quote it and contemplate it, and meditate on it, and marinate on it. Don't just understand the word, but ask yourself, what change or mindset is God calling me to today? Ask yourself, how do you feel about that change? Are you going to submit to his word? And what does that look like in your life? Go back to scriptures, not my feelings, not my politics, not my emotions, but scripture, and be able to say, it is written. You know, in my 40 years of ministry, I was having a conversation on the phone today even. And in my, in my 40 years of ministry, I was talking to a brother about, I've seen, I've seen too many people walk away. And the reason they walked away was because of a focus on feelings and not the Word of God. Mike, I don't feel like repenting. I don't feel like resolving. I don't feel like forgiving. And, and we get into trouble spiritually when we put the Bible aside and do what I feel like doing. You know, Paul said that we're not unaware of Satan's schemes. Satan's schemes are not rocket science. They're not quantum physics. I'm not telling you something today that is even necessarily new. It's something we simply need to hear, even as older Christians. Christians that are decades, that have been one, two, three decades in the Lord. Our emotions can lead us straight to hell. We must be people of the Word who trust in it and follow it. Now, to, to be people of the Word, that means we also need to be careful about advice. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is talking about how, uh, how he was going to suffer and die and raise from the dead. And Peter said, never, Lord, that will never happen to you. And Jesus 
looked at him and said, Get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Wow, that was a strong rebuke. Peter is excited. He wants to protect Jesus, but he's wrong. He means well, but he's real wrong. And the truth is, we need to listen to Jesus. Sometimes our friends may offer advice, and it's real wrong. Not all advice is created equal. So we honestly need to be careful about advice and be prayerful as we approach big decisions in our life that will base decisions that we make in our life on Scripture, correct Bible doctrine. Sometimes I, I even, I'll read people's Facebook or Instagram posts and I have no idea who they are or why they say what they're saying. Sometimes people I know and I love can be way off base, way off base, like Peter was that day. Satan tries to use people we love to manipulate us. Peter was Jesus' close friend, but Peter was wrong. And I refuse to get blown around and emotional about the latest thing on Facebook. Rather, I want to hear the voice of Jesus, his quiet voice in my heart, in his word, leading me. Let's be people of the word to win this battle. Point number two, we need to be be on your guard. You know, we don't just go to the supermarket these days, do we? We put on a mask. We stay six feet apart from, from people. It's, it's right, and we need to take precautions. You know, spiritually, we must be on our guard. Why? Because it's dangerous out there. In Luke chapter 4, 13, when the devil had finished all this tempting, it says that he left Jesus until an opportune time. Satan doesn't strike just any time. He is an opportunist. He lurks. He waits. He watches like a lion or a wolf. He'll try to separate you, uh, catch you at the opportune moment of weakness. Uh, for me, you know, as a disciple, I, I try to be careful. I, I, there's places I don't go. I don't, I don't go into bars or clubs. I'm, I am shamelessly, I hope, on guard. In 1 Peter 5, 8, the Bible says, Be alert, for your enemy the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion. Um, we need to be alert and be on guard. My father was a World War II pilot and navigator. He flew in the Pacific in World War II. And I remember one time, in his 80, he was in his 80s, and he said to me, he said, Mike, there are old pilots and there are bold pilots, but there aren't any old bold pilots and you know that that's a good thing to learn to remember as a christian i play it safe i'm definitely on my guard some people may not understand that but i've got to stay alert dozens of times in the new testament it says to be on your guard guard your heart guard your mind guard your doctrine uh, uh guard your words um you know, in the army, they court-martial the guard who falls asleep. One of the most famous characters from the U.S. Civil War was William Scott, a Vermont soldier. He was famous in 1864 for falling asleep on guard duty. The penalty for falling asleep on guard duty was to be put before the firing squad and killed. 
And it was only President Lincoln's pardon that saved his life because he'd been up all night the night before helping a friend who had been injured. To fall asleep on guard duty was a capital offense. It's what we've got to wake up and take seriously the call to be on guard. Wake up and pay attention, my brother and my sister, because this is so serious. Keep yourself safe. You know, sometimes we wrestle. And so we're we're on the wrestling team and we wrestle. Sometimes, honestly, we, we run. We're on the track team and we run. And I've, that certainly happened in my life. As a young man, I, I, there were literally times where I was, I went to a party perhaps as a young, oh, I shouldn't be here. And I walked away. I've walked out of bad movies. I've walked out of bad restaurants that I didn't feel like Jesus would be in this place. Places that I did not feel like were appropriate for a Christian to be. Shamelessly, I'll walk away. The Bible says flee temptation. Uh, I think run for your life. Yo, I'm leaving. Uh, I'm not, I'm going to be alert for me, and then I want to be alert for others as well. My wife and I lived in Africa for 14 years, and I remember a time in Botswana when I was in a Land Rover, and we were watching, came across three lions, and they were hunting together to take down a giraffe. And they they waited for just the right moment to to strike. Now, from where I was sitting in the car, I could see the three lions, and I could see the giraffe, and the giraffe was like frozen like a statue. Uh, all, they were all waiting for one to make a move. And and and, and what happened was finally the, the giraffe bolted for safety. After about 20 minutes, the giraffe bolted for safety. And the lions took off after the giraffe. And, and they, 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 they rammed against it, tried to bring it down, and they couldn't bring it down. I tell you, that giraffe was regretting its separation from the safety of the herd that day. Because you always see giraffes together. And this lone giraffe got caught all alone by the lions. And it was riveting to watch the three lions and the one giraffe. And there's a great lesson there that we must always be on guard for this lion. We survive with the herd. He's waiting for our weakest moments. When you're alone. When you're tired. When you're hurt. When you're injured spiritually. And so we need to be strong in our relationships one with another. Stay close to other disciples. We must be a team. I live in a house here where our house backs up to a greenbelt. And every once in a while, you'll hear coyotes uh, in the back and they'll howl. And you'll hear the coyotes even taking down an animal uh, in the greenbelt back there in the trees. I've only seen the coyotes once or twice. Um, but you'll hear them as they take down an animal and they try to, what they'll try to do is if a dog wanders in there or there's a young deer or a sick deer, uh, or, uh, an animal that's weak or limping, uh, the, the coyotes will circle around and come after it, come after that animal. But when the herd works together, you know, they can drive off, uh, they can drive off the coyote. Uh, they, they can drive off the lion. A big buck out here can turn and use those antlers and scatter the coyotes. I've seen, I've seen hunting scenes like that on YouTube where the buck was able to scatter, uh, where two or three deer could save the fawn. And I've seen it when it did not go so well. But we can't just stand by idle. We must be on guard for our brothers and sisters. Like in any jungle or forest, we gotta watch, we gotta listen, we gotta stay near the others and be on our guard for ourselves and for their benefit. Let's look out for and help 
one another. So what we want to do is we want to be people of the word because even old Christians get emotional and we want to be on our guard always. And then the last thing I want to say here is just is to take off your mask. In Acts chapter 5 verse 3, Peter, when he, Ananias and Sapphira came in and, and they were going to offer some money, Peter says, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? In Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira, what they did was they sold some land, and that was good, and they donated most of the proceeds, that's good. They were holding back some of it for themselves. That too was okay. But they lied to everyone, saying that they're giving the entire amount to the church. And that was bad. And Peter says, Satan has so filled up your hearts to the point that they were lying to the Holy Spirit. You know, after you sin or get caught up in a sin, Satan wants you to start putting on masks to cover it up. Masks are good. And this year we've all started, or in the last year we've all started wearing masks. They, they cut the range of the aerosols that come out of our mouths. Amen. There's so much good there. One problem with a mask is it's hard to tell what you're feeling, uh, what, what the person is feeling who has the mask on. Are they smiling? Are they angry? You can't really tell. And spiritually, that's how Satan likes it. He likes us to be fake. A heart that is full of Satan will lie. Satan does not want you getting open, being truthful, getting help, prayer, advice, or confession. Satan hates things like resolution, reconciliation, and forgiveness. None of that. He wants you to mask up, cover up, till your heart grows stone cold and hard as a rock. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2.5, You know, we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. Paul did not mask up or cover up. Do you? Satan himself not only wants us to mask up, he himself masquerades. 2 Corinthians 11, uh, verse 14, and no wonder Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. And it says that so do his servants also. Satan doesn't just mask up he masquerades. So expect him to couch his temptations in Christian and faith sounding verbiage. Expect Satan to have pious tones, just like Ananias and Sapphira. Ananias and Sapphira looked generous. They looked like angels of righteousness, but they were lying. And that's what Satan wants. He wants you to go, you know, I'm just going to look good. I'm going to look good on Zoom. I'm going to look good on Facebook. I'm just going to look good. And I'll just these problems that I have, I'll just work it all out myself. That's what Satan wants your strategy to be. As a minister, this is what I often see. Folks who decided to mask up spiritually and then ended up masquerading. And this is one of Satan's schemes. And you can break his chains by continuing to focus on relationships and being close to your brothers and sisters and being honest and getting help every, every time you need it. I want to conclude with the point of being confident because even though this is an intimidating fight, uh, there are so many encouraging verses to remember and we can absolutely be victorious. I love 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. 
But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. There is a referee. Satan is limited. Only common temptations are allowed. You're never going to be, be, be tempted beyond what you can bear. There is always a, lay, a way out. That is so encouraging to me. Because the good news is, even though we feel like we're facing Hulk Hogan or The Rock or the Cosmocrat uh, that we read about before, it will be like a middle school. It will be like a middle school wrestling match. God will not allow uncommon temptations. He never allows the pro to wrestle the middle schooler. Never beyond what you can bear. There's always a way out. Every time there's a way out. And the stands are full of coaches and friends and family who can offer advice and help. I can face Hulk Hogan under these circumstances. I love James chapter 4, verse 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Resist the devil. He'll start running. Just do something, Mike, and he'll flee. That's encouraging. I love Romans sixteen twenty. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. No, these struggles, they won't last forever. And we will win victory. And he will flee. And we go home to heaven. And it's amazing. Brothers and sisters, my desire is that all of us finish the race. That we be people of the word. That we be on our guard. And then we take our masks off and really rely on each other and help one another. Satan is an intimidating, powerful enemy. But... But through God's help, we can win the victory. Absolutely. If we'll resist the devil, he will flee from us. There are so many great promises. I wanna, I'm going to close out by saying a prayer. I know that in New York that, that, uh, that you all are going directly into the time of communion. Again, I want to say thank you to the New York Church for just the great example you've been to all of our churches around the world for so many years. Thank you, Sam and Cynthia, for your leadership. As we pray at this time, as we are enter into a time where we remember the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Let's remember Jesus' powerful example. Though he grappled, though he wrestled with the lion, though he wrestled with Satan, he was always victorious because he was a person of the word, because he was on his guard, and because he really relied on his friends and was close to them. Let me say a word of prayer. Uh, as we close out the message. Dear God, thank you. Thank you for your love and the example of Jesus. Thank you for the way you guard our hearts and our minds. And I pray, Father, that you'll help us to be, to be victorious, to, uh, Father, to trust Jesus and to trust your word. And I pray, Father, that we will all arrive together strong and, uh, and excited uh, on the day of judgment, Father, all of us finishing the race. Uh, successfully being people of your word and being strong. We love you and praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.